is a story with roots that go back to Ireland when a young American lass, perhaps four years old, encountered a magic, a mystery that changed her life forever. It's as if an ancient sense of belonging somehow awakened in her. An ancient circle spun out as little Megan heard the harp for the very first time resonating within her deeply. The much-loved Irish poet, philosopher, one-time priest, John O'Donohue, recognized such awakenings and wrote about the stirring of the soul that such encounters bring out. He says they're really an awakening of the music of the heart. O'Donohue was an explorer of the depths of the human heart, and he wrote about the way our hearts can resonate with each other, which has a name in the Celtic tradition. The old Gaelic term for this, he says, is anamkara. Anam is the Gaelic word for soul, and kara is the word for friend. So anamkara in the Celtic world was the soul friend. In the early Celtic church, a person who acted as a teacher, companion, or spiritual guide was called an anamkara. With the anamkara, you could share your innermost self, your mind, your heart. This friendship was an act of recognition and belonging. When you had an anamkara, your friendship would cut across all convention, morality, and category. You were joined in an ancient and eternal way with the friend of your soul. O'Donohue feels that in everyone's life there's a great need for an anamkara, a soul friend, in which you are understood as you are, without mask or pretension. The superficial and functional lies and half-truths of social acquaintance fall away. You can be as you really are. A friend is different from an acquaintance. Friendship is a deeper and more sacred connection. He says Shakespeare has a beautiful phrase for this. The friends thou hast and their attention tried, grapple them to your soul with hoops of steel. So a friend is incredibly precious. A friend is a loved one who awakens your life in order to free the wild possibilities within you. And maybe that's what Esther Davidowitz did for Megan Davis, and what Megan might have done for her dear friend Essie. We heard words of John O'Donohue from his much-loved book, Anamkara, a book of Celtic wisdom. The story we'll soon hear is about friendship, deep friendship, in the tradition of the Anamkara that O'Donohue describes further in this way. The Anamkara experience opens a friendship that is not limited by separation or distance. Such friendship can remain alive even when the friends live far away from each other. Because they have broken through the barriers of persona and egoism to a deep level, the unity of their selves, their souls, is not easily severed. Even across the distance, two friends can stay attuned to each other and continue to sense the flow of each other's lives. Ooh, attuned. Now there's a musical phrase. In our story, one friend is here and her friend is now gone, but the bonds are forever and always and their hearts very much resonated like musical harmonies. 
That is why it is so fitting that Megan Davis, an award-winning musician from the Wyoming Valley, will return home from the Washington, D.C. area to present a dedicatory concert for a very special harp that belonged to her treasured friend, Esther Davidowitz. Her family has presented the instrument to the First Presbyterian Church of Wilkes-Barre. Ms. Davis began her collegiate studies at the Peabody Conservatory of Music in Baltimore. In addition to her harp studies, she also received her bachelor's degree in vocal performance, making her one of a very few students to earn double performance degrees. During all four years at Peabody, Ms. Davis was a member of the Peabody Singers, the conservatory's elite vocal ensemble. She made her Peabody Opera Company debut in The Marriage of Figaro, and she also appeared in the Tales of Hoffman and the world premiere of The Yellow Wallpaper. Following her studies at Peabody, Ms. Davis earned her master's degree in vocal performance at the Boyer College of Music at Temple University. After graduation, she launched her career in the Philadelphia area, where she performed for over six years. In 2016, she relocated to Northern Virginia in the Washington, D.C. metro area, where her career has continued to flourish. She has received over a dozen awards, and she's performed for ambassadors, members of Congress, and even for Taylor Swift. Megan Davis and her husband, cellist Alex Keller, will offer the dedicatory concert in their friend's memory this Sunday, January 28th at 3 o'clock at the First Presbyterian Church of Wilkes-Barre. We had a chance to speak by phone with Megan Davis about the performance and about what her friendship with Essie, as she lovingly calls her, has meant. The family of Essie Davidowitz has so graciously donated this beautiful instrument. It's a Salvi Daphne, and they have donated it to the church. And this is kind of a dedication of the harp to the church and, of course, in loving memory of Essie. Did you know her, Megan? Yes, I knew her intimately. She was one of my dearest friends. And just to give you a little bit of background on how we got to know each other, I fell in love with the harp when I went on a trip with my family when I was just four years old to Ireland. And I just, I had it in my soul from that moment on, and I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. And so my parents tried to kind of replace it with the piano, which I ended up loving. I loved my piano lessons that I had till I was 18 years old, but it wasn't, it wasn't the harp. And so I just, I couldn't let it go. And my mom finally reached out to Nancy Sanderson. At the time, she was the director of Encore and said, please, 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 can you find a harp teacher to come teach at the camp? And she was able to find one of the best harpists on the planet. Her name is Gulia Masharova. She is now the principal harpist for the Singapore Symphony Orchestra. And at the time, she was studying at Juilliard. So she came for the camp, and the two of us hit it off, and a lifelong friendship emerged from that. She's kind of more of a big sister than than anything. Uh, we, we speak often, even now. And I started studying with her, and I was just so fortunate to have that opportunity. She's such a graceful, incredible harpist and teacher as well. I was actually her first student. So my parents actually decided to take me to New York every other week for lessons with her. It was such a commitment. I am astounded, you know, now being a parent myself, I I can appreciate what they have done for me now more than I even did back then. They took me to New York every other week to study with her. 
they purchased a harp for me, and it was actually the harp that belonged to Gulia's teacher, who is the principal harpist of the New York Philharmonic to this day, and she was back then as well, Nancy Allen. So she very, very kindly agreed to sell one of her many harps um, to me for my studies. And that was the harp that we're talking about that eventually made its way to Essie. And so I studied on that harp for quite a while, but it was a petite grand and not a full-size grand. So we got uh, another harp. It was an amazing story, actually a local story as well. My dad was in Wilkes-Barre working one day, and he ran across a man named David Lee. I'm not sure what the connection was, but one day they, they ran into each other, and David Lee said to my dad, you don't know, know anybody who plays the harp, do you? <laughs> and he said, you're kidding me, right? My daughter plays the harp. And they just he couldn't believe it. He said, my wife loves the harp and began studying, but then had a condition which kept her from being able to play. But she kept the harp in pristine condition. She had humidifiers, dehumidifiers. It was just in perfect, perfect condition. And she just realized that she wasn't going to be able to continue her studies, and uh, they decided to to see if maybe they could sell the instrument. So I, we went over, and they were just such wonderful people, and they did decide to sell their Lion and Healy harp to me, which was the full concert grand harp, which is the harp I play to this day, if you can believe it. It's upstairs in my home right now. I was just practicing on it this afternoon, and... Um, so we ended up having two harps, but we really just needed the one. And so in the meantime, going back to the studies with Gulia, we were going to New York uh, every other week, and she graciously said that she would be willing to come to Wilkes-Barre a few times a year to kind of take the pressure off a little bit. And then if anybody was interested in learning about the harp, she would maybe try to grow her studio locally in the Wyoming Valley a little bit. And that's actually what happened. And she ended up, I think at her height there, had five students. She'd come every summer for six weeks for the summer camp. At first it was Encore, and then it was PAI. And with all of that happening, Essie Davidowitz expressed an interest in learning. And so she started taking lessons with Gulia, and the two of them had such a beautiful relationship. And when I ended up getting the Lion and Healy harp, Essie approached my mom and dad and said, would you be willing to sell me the Salvi? And we were all just so thrilled with that. It was just the perfect solution. And so Essie had the Salvi, and everything was great for years and years. And then, of course, we all knew that Gulia's talent was just too big to be denied and that she was going to land a major orchestral position. And she did um, end up being the um, principal harpist for the Singapore Symphony, which that's where she is to this day. That was, oh my gosh, how many years ago? About 20 years ago when she got that position. I was, I, I believe I was 18. And we were all just so sad to lose her. But Essie, being Essie, didn't skip a beat. She said, okay, Megan, you're my teacher now. <laughs> and, you know, if you knew Essie, it was not a question. It was what was going to happen because it was what was best for everyone. And, you know, I was so nervous at first because I respected her so greatly. And I had never taught anyone before. And so I was I was just so nervous. To, I thought, what could I possibly teach Essie? How could I, how could I approach that? And you know, there was nothing to worry about from the moment we started. We just, we just hit it off so easily. And we just, this beautiful friendship grew out of that. A friendship unlike anything I've ever had before in my life. It was intergenerational and it was built on respect and, 
and love and wanting the best for each other and being each other's biggest cheerleaders. So uh, we just had we just had a wonderful time. I taught her harp and she taught me life. And I think that I got the better end of the deal. And I, I just miss her so, so very much. So uh, as Parkinson's started to, to take hold of her, it was less and less possible for her to play the harp. But it didn't, it didn't matter. At that point, we were each other's family. I lived out of the area. I went to school in Baltimore at the Peabody Conservatory and then at Temple University for my master's. So I was not living locally, but every time I came home, she was really my first call. It was, you know, can I come see you? You know, how are you doing? I'd love, I'd love to come visit. And that's what we did for years and years. First, it was just me, and then it was my husband joining in. We would have beautiful lunches with her and her husband, Bill, before he passed away. And just those times, I, I treasure so dearly. And when we had our children, they called her Grandma Essie. So playing her harp for her in her memory will be much deeper than words for you. Tell us a little bit about harp playing and and the harps. Is it like an organ where the organists have to go in and learn what everything sounds like in the space? You know this harp, obviously, but this is a -a one-of-a-kind and it has a voice that is its own? Absolutely. I, I think that's that's so true of harps, and we are going to be coming in a little bit early so that I can kind of reacquaint myself with the salvi and be able to, and I know it hasn't really been played a lot in recent times, so I'm going to go in and tune it and just practice with it and kind of get my fingers used to, to it again, but it's a privilege to be able to do that for this for this event. What did Essie want to learn? What did she want to play on the harp? We know her interest in the klezmer repertoire. Yes. What drew her to the harp? That's such a good question. I think that she, as so many people, I mean, I think even what drew me to it initially is it's mesmerizing. Just the sound that it produces, it, it's, it's just such an experience, the, the auditory nature of it. And then combining that with the visual nature of it is unlike any other instrument. It's it's romantic. It's a conversation that the player has with with the instrument. It's just it's so unique. I know that watching so many instruments and their players together is is a really wonderful thing to see. But just there's something different about the harp, and there's just so so much visually to take in. And I think that's what drew her. I don't know if the specific type of music was all that important to her. She just wanted the experience of playing. That, from what I can recall you know, in our early days together. I think that's what it was, just like there was something so healing uh, about playing the harp. I actually heard somewhere once that people who are going through severe medical issues, if they play the harp, they had better outcomes. There's something meditative about, about playing the harp and very healing, and I think maybe that was part of it too for her. And so you, little Megan, are there in Ireland? Where were the Harpers when you were when you were in Ireland? My mom thinks it was at the Cliffs of Moher on the west coast. She can't remember exactly, but she thinks that that's where it was. And actually, my mom is from a large Irish Catholic family. They have eight children. I don't know if you know about the Wilkesbury Mary from Dunlop competition. So the, there was a society called the Donegal Society, and. Every year, they sponsored a Mary, a, a young woman who would represent their society to go to Ireland to compete in the international Mary from Dunlow competition, which is still held today. And so 
my aunt decided to enter the competition with her sister. And they said to each other, if you win, I'll take you. And if I win, you know, you could take me. And my youngest aunt actually won the competition. And she and her sister were going to go together to Ireland so that they could be there for the festival. Well, then my mom said, I'm not going to miss it. And so they also wanted to kind of all pull their resources and send their parents to Ireland because they had never been. So it turned into this trip of 10 people going over to Ireland for my aunt's competition. And that's where I saw the harp and, you know, the, the rest kind of unfolded. Well, if you fast forward to after I graduated from Temple University, I hooked up with the Philadelphia Donegal Association. My mom said, why don't you see if they do the Mary from Dunlow competition? And it turns out they did. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm just out of school. I'm just kind of trying to go down a lot of paths and see if, you know, if anything kind of happens. And I decided to enter the contest and I didn't know anyone there. I felt very, um, nervous and, you know, just unsure, but I did end up winning the Philadelphia Mary from Dunlow and much to my amazement and surprise. And so here's a really amazing thing. Ten of us went over that year in 2012 for, for me to be in the festival. Same number of family members, a lot of them the same family members. And it was just incredible. I got to see so much of that beautiful country in County Donegal. And uh, I was able to perform the Ave Maria on the Celtic harp. It was actually an instrument that I had never played before. When I was studying with Gulia, I went right to the, the pedal harp, the concert grant. I didn't start on the Celtic harp. A lot of, a lot of people do because it's so much smaller. And for a, a smaller person, it, it makes a lot of sense. But my teacher did not play the Celtic harp, so there was no option to do that. So... When I found out I was going to be going to Ireland, it seems like it was going to be very difficult to find a pedal harp to rent for the competition. And it's very, very difficult to travel with my harp from home. It would have been near impossible. So uh, after months of searching, somebody from the Philadelphia Donegal Association was able to find a Celtic harp for me to rent while there. And I rented one in Philadelphia for a month before the competition and taught myself how to play the Ave Maria on a Celtic harp, which is vastly different than playing it on a pedal harp. So, for instance, there are lots of chromatic changes in that piece. So on the pedal harp, that means you're changing notes with your feet you're actually moving all of the C's at the same time or the D's at the same time with your feet. It's triple action, so it's flat, natural, sharp. But on the Celtic harp, it's double action, and it's all on the string. So if you can imagine when you're playing with the pedal harp, you don't have to move your hands from the strings. You make all of your chromatic changes with your feet, so your hands can stay right on the harp. But with the, with the Celtic harp, you actually have to come off the strings to flip your lever and come back. So it was this really fascinating experiment. I didn't even know if this particular piece would be possible to do on a Celtic harp, but after you know working on it for a long time, I was able to figure it out, and um, I was able to perform it in Ireland, and it meant so much to me to be able to perform on the harp in Ireland where that all started. And the amazing, the really mind-blowing part was somehow I had won that competition in Ireland in 2012, and it's really astounding to think uh, about it now. But uh, I'm so grateful that I did win because I made lifelong friends with the winner who came the year before me. And so when I went back the next year, we got to spend time together, 
and she ended up coming over to Wilkes-Barre for our wedding. So it's just been such a blessing in my life that I got to do all of that because, you know, I've made these lifelong friendships and uh, had these really incredible experiences. You've been blessed with such good friendships with all kinds of people and in all kinds of places. And we remember that Essie was all-embracing in her friendships and had respect for all faiths and backgrounds. So it makes good sense for the family to present the harp to the First Presbyterian Church of Wilkes-Barre. Exactly, exactly. And nothing makes more sense to me than, than that. It would just you know, where is there a need? Where is there a desire for this instrument? And that's where it goes. It doesn't matter where that is. And that was, that is the embodiment of Essie. And there's just, there's no one like her. So the world has lost a, an icon, a pillar. And she actually um, passed away on my daughter's birthday, on my daughter's fifth birthday. And it was five days before our son was born. When her husband, Bill, passed away a few years prior, I drove through a snowstorm to be there because I needed to be there. I wanted to be there with Essie to to be there for her. So if you had told me that I wasn't going to be there for her final days, for her services, I wouldn't have believed you, but it was only because I couldn't be. There was this one thing that was happening that I, I just had to be, you know, where I was for the sake of myself and for my son. But it has been something that has stayed with me that I've just, that I I felt like I was not where I wanted to be. And so the fact that I get to dedicate this to Essie kind of fills a little bit of a hole inside me that I've been carrying around that I get to do this for Essie. What have you chosen? What kinds of (laughs) things did you think would be just right for what you've described to us? So we're going to start with um, some classical music. We're going to be doing The Swan. Um, it's a cello and harp piece to begin, Saint-Saëns. And then we're going to be doing the Ave Maria, because that, that really felt right. And then Claire de Lune by Debussy. And then we're going to kind of switch into more modern music, something that we've kind of transitioned to as well as artists. Our first album we released in 2014 on the occasion of our wedding, and there's some like American Songbook, a little bit of Beatles, a little bit of Van Morrison on that album. So we're going to pick a few things from that. In January, we actually did um, an Outlander-themed album that we released. And that has things like the Skyboat Song and the False Bride, Loch Lomond, Scottish, uh, definitely a Scottish theme to it. So we're going to be doing a few selections from that album. And then finally, we're going to be doing some things that, you know, we'll consider for a third album and including original songs. So it's going to kind of have a lot of different things, but all kind of with the goal in mind of, you know, honoring Essie and who she was and kind of thinking, what would Essie like to hear if she were able to be there that day? Did you all ever have house concerts at her home? We did. We did. Uh, We absolutely did. Actually, I can remember one fondly. Someone that she had met, I think through Wilkes, um, a young man was studying the cello, and she wanted him to see a professional harpist and cellist up close and personal. So we came over, and my husband Alex kind of not gave a lesson, but maybe more of like a master class, and he played for us, and we played for him, and it was just such a beautiful day. And of course, Essie was the one to put it all together, as she always did. 
Essie was very concerned about the world and the community, Mm -hmm. and you perhaps have talked with her about the meaning and the importance of music in our lives. You dedicate your life to music. What is it that you think that music brings to our lives in our world, and and wouldn't Essie just be nodding? You know, she... When when you think about COVID and what a shock that was to all of us, and, you know, music is what got us through it. It was every, every, every musician who went on YouTube and gave a, a virtual concert. I actually, I took my harp out on our front porch for our community, and I put a community blast out, and I said, I'm doing like a, you know, a 30-minute concert on my porch. Come, come see it. And it's because music lifts us up. Music, you know, when we're the most down we've ever been in our lives, music brings us together. Music gets us through the hard times. And in a way that it reaches our soul in a different place than really anything else can. It's just unique in that way. And Essie understood that so deeply in so many different ways. She would just support artists because she knew that it was so critical to our, our, our communities. And really, she, she just she was ahead of her time in so many ways. And like you were saying, it didn't matter to her what you believed in, what you looked like, where you came from. You were a human being, and she saw you, and she respected you, and she loved you, and she would advocate for you. And that's if you're a musician or a lover of the arts or not. Um, she just, she was really so special. And there are no words to really be able to fully communicate what she meant to me, what she meant to her family and everyone who ever met her. She was just so special. Megan Davis, award-winning harpist and vocalist, speaking with us about Esther Davidowitz of Kingston and their abiding, deep friendship. And the program that will be presented this Sunday, January 28th at 3 in the afternoon at the First Presbyterian Church in Wilkes-Barre. The church has been given the harp that belonged to Esther Davidowitz, the Salzi harp, as we heard it described by Megan. And it will be dedicated and celebrated, as will be the memory of Esther Davidowitz in this tribute concert. Admission is free and the public is invited to attend. It will feature Megan Davis, harpist and vocalist, and her husband, Alex Keller, who is a cellist. And as we heard, that list of pieces that will be included. And also, there will be a reception to follow. So that's this Sunday, January 28th, at 3 in the afternoon, at the First Presbyterian Church of Wilkes-Barre, 97 South Franklin Street. It's free and open to the public. It's a tribute concert in memory of Esther Deleruitz and a dedication of the harp in this recital featuring Megan Davis and Alex Keller. For more information, you can check the website of the church, fpc-wb.org, and that would be for First Presbyterian Church-Wilkes-Barre. So fpc-wb.org. And then you can learn more about Megan and her music making, Megan K. Davis. M E G H A N K Davis D A V I S dot com. 
It is a harp dedication and a tribute concert in memory of Esther Davidowitz this Sunday, January 28th at 3 at the First Presbyterian Church, 97 South Franklin Street in Wilkes-Barre, free and open to the public with a reception to follow. For more information on the web, fpc-wb.org or megankdavis.com.